Welcome, friends, to the Life on Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Amy Debrick, and I have some exciting news to share with all of you. My first book, Embolden, will be releasing on April 24th and is now available for presale at barnesandnoble.com and Amazon. My Emboldened book kind of encapsulates the message we're promoting here on the Life on Purpose podcast this year by using our experiences as an opportunity to either be emboldened or to embolden others. I co-wrote this book with my oldest daughter, Blair, and our hope was that women could find the strength and courage to do that after reading this encouragement journal. And as we keep moving ahead in 2021, I want to remind you that it is only with intention that we make things happen in our life. And with that, I'm happy to keep sharing incredible women with you and what they are doing to embolden their lives and those around them. As always, I hope you find these conversations inspiring and encouraging to know that no matter what your age or circumstance, you have the power and choice to make a difference and to be emboldened. To learn more about how to get a copy of Emboldened, just visit my website at amydebrick.com and get all the latest news and information there. I hope you enjoy these stories and I look forward to talking to you soon. Okay, well, this morning on the Life on Purpose podcast, I have the privilege of talking with Bonnie Gray. Bonnie and I have already talked a little bit before we hit record, which is always wonderful, especially to talk to real women sharing real vulnerabilities. And so um, just a little background, and she'll share more, but Bonnie is the soul care expert and host of the wellness podcast entitled Breathe, um, the Stress Less podcast, which I think we all need. Um, she's also the author, author of three books, including her latest, which we're going to talk today about, um, Sweet Like Jasmine. So welcome, Bonnie. It's such a pleasure to have you this morning. Thank you so much. It's so fun to be able to talk to my East Coast sister. I'm over here in the West Coast in the Bay Area. So I just, I, this is what I love about God's family. It's like, we just, it's almost like being reunited with, you know, our sisters as we meet each other. So thank you for having me. Gosh, no, it's my, you know, I, when I started on, and I haven't finished the book, but when I, cause this kind of interview, as you know, kind of came about rather quick and I was just so grateful that we could connect and I really wanted to do it, but I've already um, listened to a few chapters on audiobook, and it's just, it makes me stop and breathe just hearing your story from what I know about it already. So give us um, a little bit of a background just on who you are, what led you to write this and we'll dive into the book from there. Yeah. So I have a very unusual beginning to my story and I've hidden it my whole life because I thought it was just so odd. It made me feel so weird. And um, my mother is a mail order bride from Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. And my father was a busboy in a noodle shop. Now, on top of that, my mother, when she came, she was 17 years old and in her family, siblings of eight, she was the one that was chosen to kind of be the sacrificial lamb you know, to come over to America so that they could emigrate. Originally, my mom's family escaped communist China and mm. went to Hong Kong as refugees. And so from there, they grew up below the poverty line. That was one way they could come to the land of opportunity. So, you know, it's a beautiful story in that sense. But I was born into a marriage that they did not love each other. And my father left when I was seven years old. Mm. And I never knew where he went, why he left. And the story begins because I stumbled on my birth certificate. I was like, fine, he doesn't care about me. I don't need to know where he is. Who cares? I can't change that. 
Um, But I suddenly had my second baby boy and I was looking for my older son's birth certificate, you know, Josh and Caleb. And I actually was trying to build a new legacy of faith, meaning, oh, phew, I had like this exhale, you know, Amy, I was like, I finally overcame my broken childhood, all these things I hit about the family life at home. And okay, I found a loving husband and now we're going to have this beautiful new family. And as I was looking for this birth certificate, because any mom who has just had a baby and has an older <laughs> kid knows we need to put that kid in preschool <laughs> Even if it's for two, three hours for him to cut up construction paper. Like I need the rest. That's right. And so I was looking through, you know, to sign him up, you need that birth certificate to prove he's two. <laughs> um, I found my own. And so I don't know about you, Amy, have you ever looked closely at your birth certificate? No, I really haven't until you kind of mentioned that in that chapter. And I was like, you know, I mean, not that I felt like I needed to even seek anything new out, but it is interesting on the details that you can find. And what's interesting about you even looking at that, at the depth that you did is one thing that I did notice about my children's birth certificate. And I didn't notice this at the time is that my, my oldest son who had passed away and my very last child who my daughter, my youngest daughter had the same, um, midwife, like in, in the birthing when I was in there. And at the time I wasn't, it was, there were so many years displaced between that time. I, I don't know if I just didn't recognize her or whatnot. And then when I looked at the birth certificates, I was like, oh my gosh, what a gift because we loved her. She was like our first, whatever, but I, I didn't pay attention and until I saw the name and I, I made the connection. And so it's interesting that you say that because, you know, it is worth just kind of taking a look at certain documents like that and, and finding these little nuggets that you didn't even know existed. Oh, wow. I'm getting goosebumps. Just listening to you say that because I think God was just like lovingly holding you and giving you this embrace to say, I love you, Amy. I love your first daughter, Amy. And I'm there, you know, through this midwife, through your journey as a mom. So to me, that story is just so deeply compelling to me. And I get goosebumps because that's kind of what happened to me that God spoke to me through this very ordinary at the time I felt documented this, you know, I'm not even looking for any meaning or depth or whatever. I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm signing up my kid. And then suddenly it just hit me like a siren, Amy. I realized looking at my birth certificate because it said Chinese hospital. And I never looked at it before. I'm like, why does it say Chinese hospital? It turns out it's the only hospital in America that's named after a race. And then second of all, I, I was reminded that my mother was 18 years old. And then I noticed that we lived in the same house on the same street as the hospital. I'm like, that is weird, (laughs) you know, but I was very curious. I'd never been back, but what hit me like a siren, which I never considered before was that one day, my son, my sons will ask me, where is grandpa? Mm. Why don't we have a grandpa? Everybody has a grandpa. What happened to ours? And I would have no answers, Amy, because I never found out where's my father. And then my sons are half Chinese American. I married a Caucasian Mm -hmm. and I know they would ask me, wait, when did we come to America? And I also didn't know because my mother was the male order bride, right? Mm -hmm. So my father was the one that was originally here already. 
So suddenly I realized I don't want my sons carrying the shame I did. And there was shame that I didn't know my story. Right. Like I, I, I couldn't tell people where my father is. I couldn't say anything. And so when I went to church, I also kind of felt like I didn't fit in because I mean, I mean, I fit in from like a spiritual standpoint, everybody's very loving sure. and I, you know, we all study the Bible together and I had a lot of fun, you know, but you know, even people that are from divorced families or kids would see their fathers once in a while. Like I never saw him. So it seemed like there's just pieces of me everywhere. Like, okay, part of me is at church. Then another part of me is at school. And then when I, you know, step through the doorway, another part of me is at home, but none of these different parts of me were ever in the same place together. Mm. There wasn't this one place where I could share all parts of my life. And so I didn't know it at the time, but it was only later as I grew up that I realized that's loneliness where we're hiding different parts of ourselves. And we feel like, okay, I can't tell this to my, you know, believer friends because they would be ashamed if they knew, oh, I was sexually assaulted in college. You know, what would they think of me? Or, you know, I'm, I'm a mom now. Okay. I don't want to tell my kids that, um, oh, my grand, you know, your grandma actually is verbally and emotionally abusive. She had me cut up pictures of my father when he left because she was so angry at him. I, I actually don't have any pictures of my father. You know, I don't want my kids to think that, oh no, why, why do we have such a terrible history? You know what I mean? So it's kind of like all these different things. I thought, okay, well, let's just move on and not think about them. But, you know, as I discovered that birth certificate, I realized, no, I need to find out where is he? Is he dead or alive? And so it was through this journey that first I did it for my sons, Amy, but you know, God is, God is very, uh, he's wise. He knows that would get me, (laughs) curiosity would get to me. And it turned out as I uncovered different secrets, um, I learned more about what is my true worth and that I need to stop hiding these different parts of myself. So I explored 28 different aspects of a woman's true worth Mm. that I had to learn to embrace. Yeah, that is, it's such an incredible story. And one of the things that I, that really struck me in the very beginning of the book is how you talk about how, um, you know, I'm I'm married now, I'm a mom now. And that's when you gave up on yourself and you were kind of like, but God never gave up on me. And I think that that's such an important message because I do think that a lot of times when there's a lot of hurt and there's a lot of pain in our past, we do, you know, kind of, um, set it aside and, and, and don't want to address it. And, and I, I hear what you're saying. Like, you know, why would you want to, even now when you, even in healthy relationships, you know, you don't want to necessarily, let your child, especially know like somebody's shortcoming and because you don't want to see them or even a friend, like, you know, if you're, you and your husband got in a disagreement and you're maybe be reluctant to tell them that because you don't want that as the forefront in their mind when they see that person. So it completely makes sense, but I love how you kind of immediately, you know, you identify that God never gave up on you. And he whispered that what no one wants, I cherish, and you are worth loving. You are my beloved. And I think that those are just some really powerful words and messages for people that do have some of these um, family secrets or things that they do feel unnecessarily shameful for um, just because they, they're not comfortable bringing them to the forefront. I think we all grew up with a family code. Hmm. My family code when I grew up 
um, I was telling you about my mom when um, my dad left. She, I didn't understand. We're at the screen door where my dad had his suitcases packed. It was very confusing to me. Like, wait, why is he leaving? And the last image I have my father is him driving off in his car and his tire squeaking off the driveway. And so I turned to my mother, right? And I'm like, hey, where's Baba? Where is he going? And she has me, you know, come over to the living room and she's pulling out the photo albums and cutting out photos of him and giving me a pair of scissors and say, I don't want any more pictures of this man in my house, cut them up. And, um, as I was cutting them up, I was trying to hide one photo of my father and she caught me and she's like, what, what are you doing? Why, why, why are you, why are you hiding this photo? I said, well, I'm not in it. You're not in it. Can we just keep one photo? And she's like, Oh, you love your dad so much. Okay, fine. She like dragged me over to the phone this back in the day when the phone was on the wall with a cord. And she's like, go mm-hmm. pack your bags. You like him so mm-hmm. much. You go live with him right then and there, Amy, I stopped crying. And I said, okay, I don't need to know he's gone. I, I will do anything you say. I, She's like, never bring them up. Don't talk about any of this. If it's not adding to our family, this like, keep it to yourself. That's kind of a code I brought up into my life that I didn't realize, which is if it doesn't help and I can't change it, just be quiet, Bonnie. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, that's where that came from. The messages as women, we carry into our lives that. So it's not so important how I feel. I need to just put myself to the side and get things done and be loving and helpful. Those things are true. We do need to love and serve our family, but there's another part of our identity God cares about, which is how we feel. What do we want? And I think that's very hard in our Christian culture because it it, it may seem selfish or negative. Like, okay, don't don't say anything if it's going to rock the boat, if it's going to trouble the waters, if there's going to be conflict. So, um, I think that the message here is that God's saying, you know what, I, I, I'm with you in hard things. And actually sometimes it takes more faith for, to let things fall apart. Sometimes it takes more faith to speak the truth and to say, you know, I've been handling this burden for many years. I've been doing it willingly, but actually it's time for me to let go of it. So eventually we're seeing it through the pandemic because, you know, with all our kind of coping mechanisms taken away, we realize, you know what, I can't keep up whatever this X, Y, Z is like, right. You know, and so the truth is coming out, but it's very stressful because, you know, as women, we, especially women of faith, we, we want to be peacemakers, but there's a whole nother side of God where he's saying, you know what, you're my priority. Your well-being is my priority. And for some reason, we don't hear it. We just forget about that. We only think of God's love um, maybe when we first became a believer. Right. But somehow we abandon that, right? It's like somehow we take on this life of service, which is only one part of our identity with God. Right. Well, in, in kind of piggybacking off of that, Bonnie, talk a little bit about your experience with imposter syndrome. I know in the book, when you're talking about um, the silk dress and how that was kind of like almost your first experience with imposter syndrome. So tell the listeners, if you can, what happened and what, you know, we can learn from that. Yeah. So my mother was an embroidery seamstress in Chinatown. She um, would embroider beads on Chinese silk dresses. 
So she laid them out on the sofa. And so when I was little, I just thought they were so beautiful. One day I tried one on when she wasn't looking and I thought I looked so beautiful. That was my first memory of something that I thought was beautiful was this beautiful mm -hmm. silk dress. And I put it on, I thought, oh, I look so good. And I was in the, looking at myself in the mirror when my mother said, take it off. In the Chinese culture, these silk dresses for, were for well-to-do society. They're customized silk dresses. Mm -hmm. And she said, you look cheap in it. She's like, they don't fit you. And right then and there, I just remember just feeling so embarrassed and humiliated. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I, I, I do look cheap in it. And, you know, as we grow up, we know the truth in our minds, like, oh, God loves us and we're beautiful in his right. sight. But I carried that feeling about myself. And so it's kind of like it, the imposter syndrome for me is that I'm trying too hard. You know, my mom would say that sometimes she would say, you're trying too hard, Bonnie. You know, like whatever it is, if I wanted to like wear makeup in high school or whatever, it's kind of my, my identity as a woman and my femininity, it was always shot down and each person has something. And it's not about my mother so much, but these stories about when is it in our lives that we were told, um, you're, you're trying too hard or you're not good enough. Where is that? We found that message. Um, so was it in college? Was it with the ex-boyfriend? Was it in a class or at work? You know, right. where was that, that message? And so every time I would just feel like, am I good enough? Am I trying too hard? Am I pretend to be something that I'm not? It's like, I always have had that doubting question. And yet in that, in that passage, as I revisited this memory with God, because I, I didn't mm -hmm. want to go back to Chinatown because every time I went to Chinatown, I would have these memories, you know, cause I grew up right. and my mom was a seamstress. So I always went there. So let me read. Um, I started writing letters to myself mm. as God brought these, um, this journey to me. And I went back, I said, okay, God, I will go back and try to find my father, go back to Chinatown, but I need you to tell me what's the goodness in this. Mm. That was my prayer. I said, okay, I will do this, but I'm scared to do it. I don't know if I can do it, but you, as long as you're leading me, I will do it. So you need to tell me. So the way God and I talk is I like to journal. So I wrote letters to myself and that's where God speaks to me. So beloved, you don't have to hide your beauty. You are your own kind of beautiful. There are no rules to beauty because what brings you joy, peace, and comfort is unique to how good God designed you to see beauty. Someone may have told you that you weren't worthy, but they were wrong. God is making something beautiful in you. Your life is like a lovely silk dress, customized, free to embroider the way you want to. You don't have to look or act like anyone else or fit any mold to make a beautiful life. Your loving creator made you an original. Mm. And that's from Isaiah 64, eight. Our father, we are the clay. You are the potter. We're all the work of your hand. And so as I went back to this memory, that's what I heard God say, this verse that I, we are God's clay. He's the potter. Right. That's what helps me whenever I have that imposter syndrome. I'm like, no, I'm just showing up as I am. God knows who I am. And if, even if I'm trying hard, God is smiling. And I think right. being a mom also is very helpful because the way I look at my children, if they're trying hard, I'd be like, you're doing great. Right. Right. So suddenly a new voice started entering into my, my heart and my mind. And so that's what this book is about. It's like how to rewrite the scripts that we mm -hmm. have kind of taken on ourselves or somebody else put on us 
So that's the beautiful thing is like, you know what? You are your own brand of beautiful or you're your own brand of smart. Like don't try to compare ourselves to others because you're an original. Right. I love that. Well, because you do have your own children now, you, you know, is it, is it hard for you to, um, obviously, you know, in American culture, we don't have the same, you know, sons necessarily or ranking higher than daughters. And so is it, is it hard to discuss that with them? Is it, or does it give you almost a little bit of freedom in being able to say that, you know, this is probably why, you know, my mother and father, or, or, you know, treated me this way, or this happened because of the way the culture was. And so is that a hard or easy discussion for you with your boys? You know, actually before sweet, like Jasmine, it was hard because they are half Chinese American. I did not want them to view my, um, cultural heritage in a negative way. Sure. So I, I didn't tell them things like, you know what your grandma, you know, she's from the old school country <laughs> that isn't true anymore, but, um, she dressed me in blue. She didn't want me to wear dresses because she wanted mm-hmm. a son. Um, the, you know, I could, that's why I studied engineering, you know, like I right. couldn't tell so many of my stories because I didn't want them to think, Ooh, the Chinese culture is so backwards, you know? So actually it was sure. hard, but after I went through sweet, like Jasmine, uh, my own journey to uncover my family secrets, I saw God in it. Just like that example with the silk dress. I wrote right. these stories down. That's how I, you know, I'm able to write them down. Then I read them to my children. So Amy, for the first time ever, the, the stories that my, our readers are going to read in this book are the first time I read them to my sons in April this mm. year. Wow. And what was special what I didn't expect is that, um, I told them, I said, okay, you know, me as mom, but I said, there are some things that happened to me as a little girl. And as a woman, before I was a mom, I said, I was going to tell you these stories after you had children yourselves, but God has now given me this opportunity to write this story. I said, I'm going to read one story to you. And if you're interested, I can read more. Or you can just wait till you're older because these are boys. Okay. They're 12 and 15. So I thought they'd say like TMI mom, like (laughs) I did not need to know that about you. Like, uh, cringy, you know, that's how, that's what they say nowadays. (laughs) Cringy, you know, (laughs) I was like, okay, but I need to do it because everybody else is going to, you know, read these stories. So I started with the most difficult for me, um, because I wanted to challenge myself to, you know, be free and change the family code to honesty you know, Hmm. silence is shame. That was what we grew up. I grew up with. And so I'm going to break that legacy. I'm going to start a new legacy, which is the truth. So I read a story about my sexual assault in college, my freshman year. I never had a boyfriend in high school. And this was somebody I thought was safe. He was a Bible study leader. I'd known him for the whole Hmm. year. And so Um, He just, it was a first date. He said, Hey, I have some mail at home. I need to pick up before we go to the post office and drop it off. Do you mind if we stop by my house? And I was like, sure, no problem. It was in that place that, you know, the sexual assault, the date rape happened. And I was so nervous. My fingers were cold. And I was like, Keith was like chattering, reading this to my boys because I have no idea what they're going to think. And my youngest son, Caleb, came over to me and he held me 
with his mm-hmm. arms hugging me. He said, mom, why didn't you tell us this? This is terrible. I can't believe this happened to you. I'm so sorry. And he started crying and he was hugging me. He's like, oh, it's so terrible. I love you, mom. And then my oldest son, he's more of an introvert. He was very quiet. I said, Josh, you got to tell me what's going on. You're so quiet. I go, it's okay if you're, you know, you're uncomfortable with it. I just need to hear what's going on. He said, no, mom, I'm like amazed. God is amazing. Wow. And you're going to write about this. He said, you're so honest. He's like, you're going to help a lot of people. And he started Mm. telling me about the me too movement. Like as if I didn't know about it. He's like, yeah, we talk about this at school. You know, you need to speak up. And I was like, thank you, son. You know, so it was the opposite of what I thought. And it's because I shared my real self with my children. And so I just want to share this with the listeners. Um, We have a book club going on right now. And one of the first questions I asked my readers after we read, you know, uh, chapter one, I said, if you could go back in time and ask your parents one question or your grandparents, what would that be? Everybody like 99.99% said, I want to know what, who my mom was before she was a mom. Mm. I want to know what she was like as a little girl. I want to know what was her home life like? What was grandpa and grandma really like? Everybody wanted to know. So I, I just want to encourage everybody that, you know what, your story really matters. And our children or our friends, if we're single, they really want to know because that's what's right. compelling So even though I thought it would be um, shameful to talk about my Chinese culture, when I told it in my, through my experience, Amy, like as a personal story, yeah, right. they understood it it. rather than kind of explain, here's a Chinese culture. This is what they think. Here's American culture, what they think. No. But if I told it as a story as to what happened to me and how I felt about it, they get it. Stories are so powerful. Well, and I think the what you did without even probably recognizing it at the time, because you were nervous and sharing that is that you just made the relationship a more open and honest one between you as parent and child, you know, now they are going to be able to feel free. God forbid, not that you would want anything similar to be happening with them, but they're going to now have the tools and know that you're going to be somebody who can receive that information based off of your own experience, because you shared something deeply, you know, personal and devastating with them. And so I think that there's a, a real beauty in that as well. You know, that's a really tough thing as a parent. We all struggle with that. Um, not only we don't want them to know every, every mistake we've made, and I don't necessarily think we need to lay everything out, but I do think it is important for to have open communication for when something does come up to know that they you know, they're, they're going to come to me maybe, you know, not immediately, but, but they will come to me. And, um, and I think you really did a beautiful job opening that dialogue without maybe even realizing it at the time. And that's probably why they received it so well is because they love you and they care about you and, you know, they can attach, you know, you're the attachment to them. And so when they're reading something about somebody, they know, you know, it's always different when it's a little more abstract and you're reading about somebody that, um, you know, you have no connection to at all. So for them, that was, you know, probably very impactful and moving in a most positive way, clearly. So, um, you know, I think that that's, I think that that's wonderful that you were brave enough to do that because that takes courage. Well, you know, I, it was like you said, it was only after I did it and I, I saw their positive reaction. I realized, wow, God, you know, thank you. 
like I wouldn't have done that if you hadn't led me down this path of revisiting my past and asking you, Hey, what do you, you know, what do you want to show me about this? And what do you want to say? Because like now I told my sons, you know, after their positive reactions, I said, yeah, so that's why you should never, ever judge any woman that you might date in the future. I don't know who God's going to bring in your past, but, um, you know, every woman is beautiful in their own story. And so you always should be curious about, you know, any person that you might meet in college later and, um, things happen in life. And so whenever things happen in life to you, just if it's hard or it's, it might feel broken, it doesn't mean it's not beautiful. So when I said those words now, Amy, it actually holds like credibility. You know, I'm not just right. like spouting off truth to them. They're like, Oh right. yeah, mom. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I get it. I, I do. So it's very powerful that when we share ourselves, um, with others, especially our family members or those we care about. And even my friends, as they read, you know, pieces of my book, they're like, Oh, Bonnie, I didn't know that you went through that. And it's not about the sexual assault too. I, I had debated. I'm like, should I put this in or should I not? Cause this book is not about sexual assault, but I said, no, we need to share all pieces of our, right. our identity. And so yeah, different friends would share different things that happened to them, say in their families, they never told me I'd go to Bible study with, you know, these uh, women for decades and we can study the Bible but yet we may not know who they are from their soul, meaning what was their childhood like? Where were they born? Right. What was their family? So it's really rich right now in terms of like all these different sharing that's happening. Right. Well, how would you encourage the listener out there today that um, is carrying some of that hidden baggage and feels lonely and shameful in the process? How can we leave this conversation encouraging her? And what is a, maybe a great first step for her to, to get that out in the open? Well, I guess I have two things to share as um, I, I'm a soul care guide. So the first thing I want to share is some data, some information. Mm -hmm. um, there's a study at UCLA. It's a brain imaging study and they had participants view negative uh, pictures of people experiencing negative emotions. They viewed photos of people feeling angry, sad, um, worried, fearful. They had them hooked up to biometrics and they saw that their bodies responded in a very stressed out way. Their mm -hmm. blood pressure went up, their heart rate spiked, their pupils became dilated. So all of us whether it's in our own lives or maybe our children or the people we serve, we absorb a lot of negative emotions, especially those of us who are leaders or encouragers or caregivers. We have to be strong and help <laughs> and encourage it. So we absorb, sure. we observe so many of these negative emotions, including our own, which we often put to the side, right? But when they have their participants and it impacts our body. My point is that it impacts the way we feel like we might be, how am I, why am I waking up in a fog or why can't I go to sleep at right. night? Why am I not falling asleep? Our bodies are telling us, Hey, there's, we're carrying some stress here. Um, or we're hiding our, you know, brokenness or our feelings of hurt. So then they had them view these photos a second time, except the only difference is they had them name and label the emotions they were observing. Mm. Just, just name it, just label it. That's all they needed to do. One word. Guess what? Their body started relaxing, meaning their blood pressure went down. Their heart rates went back to resting rate. Their bodies literally relaxed. And so the first advice I would give input 
the way God made our bodies is we were made to share our experiences. We were not made to carry them. So maybe earlier in our season, it's worked well for us to just be strong, push through, and don't talk about anything negative. But actually, it's just being human. Those are just human experiences. And so I would say the first thing is we need to share not about what we're doing when we're on the phone with a friend or texting, not just talking about what we're doing or what we're problem we're trying to solve, but how we're feeling about it. It's so good for mental health wellness. The second thing is uh, walking, taking a walk. Um, This also helps us to be able to process our emotions. 10 minutes of walking out in nature has been proven to be more effective than an hour of working out at the gym. Mm. When it comes to releasing serotonin and, and mental health well-being, obviously it's good for cardiovascular health, you know, sure to work out. And then the third thing is um, in terms of wellness is if you do like to journal, research has shown just 10 minutes of journaling, again, how you feel are the problems that are bugging you. Um, just 10 minutes can has been proven to relieve anxiety and depression. And it doesn't have to be every day, once every two, three months. So you just pick up a pen and start writing because the part of our brain that is stressing out in the amygdala, that's the emotional part of our brain, which is connected to our bodies. When we write or speak, moves that experience over to the other part of our brain, which archives it. Okay. The analytical part of our brain. So once we either write it or speak it, as we saw from that UCLA research, our bodies literally gets released and lets it go. So when we often, we say to ourselves, stop obsessing about it, whatever that is, just let it go. Just let it go. Well, <laughs> the way to let it go, the way God created us is we're supposed to be in community. So that, that time, maybe we put off with our girlfriends or taking time out for ourselves. Those are so important. We can't give out what we do not receive ourselves first. Mm. The scripture right. says we comfort others with the comfort we first receive ourselves in Corinthians. And I guess the last piece of um, loving um, encouragement, I would say, is that we need to share our stories. There's this beautiful, I'm a storyteller, so I want to tell you this beautiful example is called Kintsugi. It's a art of repairing broken pottery in Japan by mending it with gold. So each piece is made more beautiful and valuable having been broken. They actually intentionally break the pottery and they mend it back by putting gold. The gold Mm. is used to hide the breakage. It's used to accentuate it. And so that pottery becomes more valuable having been broken and having gold filled out. It shows the history and the uniqueness of that piece of pottery. It's one of a kind. So I want to encourage all of us that God is our golden repair. When we share those pieces, we think, gosh, you know, nobody wants to hear about this. God says, no, actually, if you share it, the fire you've walked through is a very, it's a very story and encouragement. Another person needs to hear that's walking Mm -hmm. through that valley. I love that. That's such a beautiful analogy. And I, I love that. Um, I think that's uh, such a wonderful way to leave this conversation and just a beautiful visual for, for someone listening to this and, and how their brokenness is really just, you know, something beautiful in the making. And so Bonnie, I want to just um, ask you where listeners can stay connected with you. I know you mentioned you have a, um, a, a book club right now. And so um, what are other ways that they can connect with you personally or what else do you have up and coming and going on? 
Yeah, I want to invite readers to get a copy of my book, Sweet Like Jasmine, because as you explore 20 different aspects of your stories, there's a free journal that I created. This is the same set of questions I ask myself as I try to explore those stories. And they're unique, to, but common to every woman that we experience. It's at sweetlikejasmine.com. It's a free journal sweetlikejasmine.com. And it's very, very therapeutic because like I said, as you write, you're going to experience um, that release. Second is to, you know, get, if you're a bookworm or you love book clubs, you know, pick up a copy and share this with your friends because it's really the stories that enrich our lives. And that's why I feel close to Amy, you, because before we hopped on, we started sharing our stories. It's like, okay, I have a sister over there in the East coast. So, you know, sweetlikejasmine.com is where you can get that free journal. And I also, you can sign up for my book club at sweetlikejasmine.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at the Bonnie Gray, the Mm -hmm. Bonnie Gray. And then I guess finally is that breathe podcast. That's where I give a tip based on scientific research to help you relieve stress. So you can stress less. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Bonnie. It was such a pleasure talking to you today. So much um, wonderful information. I I really pray that just at least one woman listening, which I know that God has her out there purposely to to tune into this episode is really going to benefit from what you're sharing today and really the benefit of her story and how that really can positively affect her life and the lives of those around her. So thank you so much. Thank you. I love how you concluded that. That's right. Every woman's stories matter. Every one of those stories matter and can bless others in our lives. Thank you, Amy. Well, that's it for us today. If you want some additional encouragement and resources, please go to my website at amydebrick.com. I look forward to having you meet me back here next week so we can move ahead with your next steps, feeling more confident and hopeful. In the meantime, don't forget to live your life on purpose. Have a wonderful weekend and God bless.